Small businesses have the opportunity to learn from professionals and from each other. And bringing those perspectives together is an important part of Inside the Vault. Enterprise Bank's new podcast series. Welcome back to Inside the Vault. In this week's episode, we want to focus on one of the resources that has come to the forefront in terms of small business and the COVID-19 pandemic. And that was an agency that's been near and dear to the heart of Enterprise Bank for a long time, but that but that many folks in the small business community and more so in the public in general probably weren't familiar with before COVID-19 came into our world, and that's the Small Business Administration. The SBA has, has been put at the forefront of the pandemic response in terms of uh, the federal government's toolkit, so to speak, in terms of how uh, they are assisting small businesses during the pandemic. Uh, with me today is our local leader uh, of the Small Business Administration's uh, Western Pennsylvania District Office, Dr. Kelly Hunt. Uh, and Kelly and I are going to to talk about, you know, this whirlwind that she's been and her staff have been through over the last 12 months in terms of new programs in uh, an agency um, that historically only acted uh, when called upon by lenders and is now kind of taking the lead on bringing resources to small business. Kelly, welcome. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. Yeah, so let's just talk about what I what I just said. I mean, you know, let's go back 12 or 13 months. You know, the SBA's flagship programs, the, the 7A program and the government contracting program that have been around since right. 1953 were in, not just enhanced themselves, but added a whole new arsenal of tools and programs to the SBA uh, over the last year. So give us kind of just a generic um, understanding of your environment. So I remember um, listening to uh, the president uh, that day speaking on the uh, television, and he started talking about these rollout of these programs that we were going to to do to help America to recover from the pandemic and to, you know, make it through the pandemic. And he mentioned some some loans for businesses. And I thought, oh, this is great. This is fantastic. And then he said the U.S. Small Business Administration. And I thought, wow, how are we going to do that? You know, because, you know, typically we don't do loans. You know, we guarantee funds and, and things. So it was a lot different, you know. And we've had administrators in the past that have always mentioned, and they said that, the SBA was America's best kept secret. And when COVID hit, we were a secret no more. I, I, I remember seeing, you know, in place that normally the Secretary of State or the mm-hmm. Vice President would be standing next to the President, right. it was the SBA administrator. It was. And, you know, most people don't realize, but we had had an administrator throughout most of President uh, Trump's uh, administra- uh, time in office. And that administrator had had resigned to go and do other things, and then we had a new new one appointed just a few months before the pandemic kicked off. So she was really still pretty new at that time. She had come from Treasury, but it was very interesting that we were in the midst of that as well as um, creating programs. And to give you an idea, there were times like last April around that time when we had started rolling out programs. You know, they weren't you know, really standing up on their own yet, but we were starting. And there were days when in a 14-day period, the SBA did as many loans in 14 days as we had done 
one in 14 years. So you can imagine, and, and you know, most of your audience probably doesn't know that you do have a background with the Small Business Administration, and you know what that's like. We are a small organization. I mean, here in Pittsburgh, I have nine people that run our district with 27 counties. So we are a very small organization, and to be able to do that required a lot of manpower. Uh, we did hire a lot of temporary employees. Most of those went uh, to headquarters to process loans and to the Office of uh, Disaster Assistance. But it was very much where we were thrust into that and trying to create programs. You know, these programs didn't exist before COVID. You know, the IDLE program, the Paycheck Protection Program, those didn't exist before COVID. So we were trying to stand those up to create them, to develop the background, to be able to have the computer systems, the infrastructure for those and write regulations, you know, the interim final rules all doing that while trying to get the, the money out to people right. that really needed it, the businesses that needed it. And I'm assuming, you know, at, at your level, at the local district level, you were kind of tasked with being the liaisons right. between the policymakers and the new programs and the, and the public, whether That's that be right. the lending community for PPP or the small business community directly for some of the other programs. That's right. So what we were doing is, you know, part of our team was working with the lenders. And I'll tell you, I could not say enough great things about the lending community in southwestern Pennsylvania that really came together to get that money out. And then part of us were working directly with small businesses. So trying to get them educated on what options were out there. And I know there were frustrations on... Yes. on everyone's part yes. because information was coming out literally hourly yes. uh, and and in miraculous time they were mm -hmm. standing up these programs so you know yeoman's job I think everyone at the SBA mm -hmm. did particularly as you mentioned mm -hmm. I I worked there and uh, I don't know how we could have pulled that off right. back in the day so to speak so congratulations for, for for that effort I have an amazing team and I am very thankful for the work that they've done well Kelly, we've talked about you know all these programs, so I thought it would probably make sense to kind of give our audience you know at least a, a, a good overview sure. of, of what's happened in the last 12 mm -hmm. months in terms of new programs. We're going to kind of lay this out in timeline order as to as to um, how the programs were rolled out by SBA. So I'll let you talk about the first one, which was really just an enhancement on SBA's traditional disaster loan program that's usually for weather related. So most people don't know that SBA does have a disaster component and we do lend out money to businesses and even residents and renters uh, during times of natural disasters. Um, but what had happened is we had uh, gotten the funds, had gotten approved for the economic injury disaster loan. You'll hear me refer to that as idle. So that idle loan was the first thing that we rolled out. And that did roll out through our disaster assistance office. And I would say that started back, we started talking about it in March, but in April, we were actually getting applications in and doing um, the idles. The idle initially had two parts to it, an idle advance, which was a for lack of better word, I'll say a grant. It was up to $10,000, $1,000 per employee, and you got that right off the bat. There was not a lot of restrictions on the, those funds. And then idle for the, the main part of the idle is actually a loan. So that was a, you had to pay it back. There's Directly no forgiveness. The SBA, right? It was a direct loan from the SBA to a business 
uh, either 2.75 or 3.75%. The really great selling point on that loan was that it had a 30-year note. So you're looking at paying that back over a long period of time, a very low payment, businesses that needed the money. And, you know, as, as you'll cover in the PPP, when we talk about the Paycheck Protection Program, those funds were very limited on how you could use them. Idle was not it was a loan so you could use it to pay your bills and to you know if you had to use it for payroll or pay car payment whatever your business expenses were you could use that loan so uh, that one came about we have some new changes to idle that are very recent and that is the targeted idle advance and that came about in the latest legislation that was passed and those are going to be loans that are going to be the up to that ten thousand dollars for the businesses that are in low-income areas. So it's very specific. You have to check a map on the on the um, SBA website. But to give you an idea of how big IDLE has been, we've had about 90,000 um, IDLE advances approved. So that had been a big program. That program ran out of money in August. And then the loans, we've had close to 4 um, million loans for over $205 billion. So it's been a huge program. A lot of money went out. And it's very fortunate SBA at least had a disaster platform right. to get that money out right. quickly while legislation was yes. coming out on new things. So what I recall was the kind of the next piece was, all right, how do we give payment relief to existing borrowers? And SBA borrowers are typically on that you know, they have some weakness in their uh, financial profile, right. which is why they needed an SBA loan, SBA loan to begin with. So there were what were called Section 1112 payments, and all that is is referring to the legislation. But that allowed the banks uh, basically to have their SBA borrowers have their payments made by the government, basically giving the small businesses payment relief for six months, I think, was the original tranche of funds. And then a little later, when some supplemental funding came in, you know, either two, three, or five months of additional support, depending on what type of industry they were in. But then came the big one, <laughs> the PPP program, which is, you know, turned our world at the bank, and I'm sure the SBA's world upside down. That was the Paycheck Protection Program, and, and that was designed, really, the primary genesis of that uh, program, and you can read it right on SBA's website, it was, was for small businesses to keep employees on payroll. Right and keep them employed. That was a very hard message to get through yeah. to people. Though. Yeah, and that was yeah, yeah that was, that was a, a kind of a misunderstanding about the program. It was really, really geared towards um, employment. So, you know, that program gave you two and a half months worth of your average payroll for a certain period, mm -hmm. depending on when the business was in operation. That was administered through the existing lending network. Enterprise here, we were fortunate enough to be established SBA lenders. That transition wasn't as difficult as it was for some banks that had never done an SBA loan before. Uh, so we had round one of PPP. Um, those funds ran out. And then with the latest legislation, they funded a uh, what was called a second draw mm -hmm. PPP program. Mm -hmm. That was a little more restrictive because in that case, you actually had to demonstrate a some loss of revenue um, from, you know, respective quarters. Mm -hmm. uh, we're kind of through that process mm -hmm. now. And in the second half of both of the PPP loans mm -hmm. was forgiveness, yes. which uh, was almost like a two-step process. Yes. You get your PPP loan and you apply for forgiveness. Yes. Um, so we're coming out of that. And now we've got at least two new programs. Uh, but let's talk about the 
shuttered venue program right. first. So we do have the, uh, the shuttered venue operators grant. Okay. And this is unlike any of the other programs because it is a federal grant. It's not competitive, but it is a grant. So um, there is information online on that. Uh, that is for venues that have been shuttered because of COVID. And so this is some relief to them, some financial relief to them. Uh, that one is a little different. You are applying to the SBA, but there's not a lot that we talk about with that program because it is a grant. So any information we give out has to be given out to all potential applicants. So that is another program. Like I said, now we're starting to see programs uh, designed that are targeting very hard hit industries. So shuttered venues, that was your theaters, your museums, different kind of uh, venues that would typically sell a ticket and you would have a seat in there to to participate. So uh, that came out first. And that is still going. Uh, you know, uh, we are taking applications for that still. Uh, they are reviewing them. They are not being funded yet at this time. That They're still in that review process, but that is uh, still open. Well, Kelly, I really wanted to reserve some time today to talk about, let's call it the latest and greatest. Latest and greatest. Um, which is the Restaurant Revitalization Fund, which my understanding actually opened up yesterday. It did for some people, yes. Yeah. So this is, again, as you mentioned, the Shuttered Venues Program. This is another grant program mm -hmm. uh, that I think, at least from what I've heard, of, ha is going to have much wider applicability than maybe the Shuttered Venues Program uh, does. Can you give us a little understanding sure, of that? You, you'll see I have a little bit of notes here okay. because so it good. is new okay. and uh, there's just so much information, but uh, the uh, Restaurant Revitalization Fund, as it's known, is like a grant. Uh, it is not, does not have to be repaid, but it's different in the grant that we talked about earlier, yeah. the shuttered venue, so it's not, you're not applying for it in the same way. So they did make some changes to make it easier for businesses to apply. And so uh, it did open yesterday. Uh, for the first 21 days, the program will uh, prioritize and only accept applications from women, veterans, and socially and economically disadvantaged um, business owners. So for the first 21 days, it is closed to only those. Now, people can apply, but those applications will actually be the only ones that will start moving through the system. So, um, And my understanding is Restaurant Revitalization Fund is a little bit of a misnomer. It's beyond restaurants, yes, right? That is true. It, um, when I first heard about it, I thought that we were targeting, and we all know that restaurants have yeah. been hit hard. Uh, you know, they've been closed down a lot the indoor seating was either closed and then it was you know um, had had such uh, restraints put on them of how many people they can have in there and they were really struggling and so we really thought you know this is going to target them and it does they are included but it does you know if you look at the list there are so many other businesses that apply you know uh, bakeries food trucks um, bars uh, different places like that delis coffee shops there's a lot of different uh, businesses, um, wineries that yeah. The way I, the way I read it mm -hmm. in the in the program guide, it seems like anything that had an indoor dining component yes, to it, of food or drink. Or food or drink. So okay. it does, and so even businesses that maybe um, sell uh, wholesale, uh, as long as thirty three percent was sold to the public, then you can still apply. So you can see that it did open up to a lot of different kinds of establishments. Okay. And my understanding is it, it's got some of the fundamental aspects of like PPP, 
where you're looking at loss of revenue. Yes. Yes. So there, again, this is, you know, kind of a complex one. There are four different ways to calculate. Now we started with three, a fourth was added very recently. So there's different ways to calculate depending on when you were in business. But so if we look at generally, um, most businesses are going to apply under the first calculation. So if you have a restaurant or some type of food establishment and you were in business in 2019 and you were in business in 2020, and you're in business today, you're going to use the first calculation, which is going to take your gross receipts from 2019 minus the uh, gross receipts from 2020. So 2019 minus 2020, and then minus any PPP loans you received. No double dipping dipping on the federal money. Idle doesn't count because idle is a loan. You're paying it back. So you minus your PPP one and two. And if the amount left is over $1,000, and for some businesses it will be hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's the amount that you are eligible for. So these are fairly large, can be fairly large awards. Yeah, and I, I think I read you can go up to $5 million per That's loan. Correct. You can go up to $5 million for an individual business. And if okay. you have an aggregate where you have you know one company that owns multiple businesses, it's up to $10 million. And I guess the big difference is this isn't a loan that's then forgiven. It's a grant right out of the yes, gate. Yes, it is a grant. Now, there is reporting that will okay. be required. So people won't just get the money and be able to go buy a boat or anything like that. Those are not allowable expenses. They will have to report on the funds, and then there will be, um, of course, um, circumstances if you know you don't spend the funds correctly. But it is not does not have to be forgiven. It okay. is you're getting it with the expectation of not repaying. And I, from what I read, it's it's pretty wide open in, in terms of the use of funds. It's not as narrow as right. PPP, which was employment. Yes, yeah. this is very. You can you know pay really pretty much any of your business expenses. So any debt that your business has, you can pay, of course, all the things that PPP paid, you can also pay those. So there is a lot of a lot of flexibility in this one. Yeah, so it's not, it kind of seems like generically, you know, the government and through SBA mm-hmm. is kind of really now kind of trying to target. Yes. I guess, right. you know, uh, be Hard more specific hitting. with economic injury and and industries that have been more hard hit. Mm -hmm. This program I I thought was kind of ingenious in that it is a direct SBA program, but I read that SBA is actually partnered with preferred restaurant, call them, what are they called, liaisons? They're basically the point of sale companies that serve the restaurant industry, which I thought was a great idea because all that financial data that the restaurant needs they is have. available mm-hmm. directly and it takes some some of that burden off of right. the of the business owner right and and people can actually businesses can even apply through those third-party um, POS businesses uh, companies and so you can apply through your POS your POS um, system and as you said they have your accounting information and in there's there, a special so SBA website there's a, a special website that you can apply through uh, sba.gov and I believe it's slash restaurants and okay. So you can do that. And then you can also, even we are taking over the phone inter, um, applications, and there's a number you can call to do that. You can find that on the website as well. And that though it will take longer to get those ones processed. But there are multiple ways, uh, as you mentioned, to apply for this this money. As we're, con- as we're talking about RRF, Kelly, one of the interesting things I saw that was a little bit different than PPP's second draw 
in terms of evidencing, you know, adverse yeah. effects, economic mm-hmm. uh, injury, mm-hmm. was you know, under a second drop PPP, it was a quarter over quarter comparison, mm-hmm. which, you know, based on at least the state of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. was a pretty easy right. hurdle to overcome mm-hmm. because we were, in most cases, shut down for almost a whole quarter right. in mid-2020. What I saw with RRF is... They've created that comparative number based on annual numbers. So That's it's right. it's much more difficult, I don't want to say to manipulate, but mm-hmm. it kind of takes the variability out of closures and different things. That's right. You're right with the, um, with the uh, PPP. You're looking at a tiny window in the financial statements. And right. then when you're looking at um, RRF, you're looking at a whole year. And so a lot of businesses uh, were able to, you know, they might have been shut down for a few months, but they might have had an increase you know there were some you know pizza shops and different things that were actually able to make more money than they had normally because the restaurants were shut down so it really took that um out of there when you're looking at it over that you know larger time frame and i you know and i i I think that that was um you know it's very interesting i don't know why they yes i don't know why they decided to do that but for most uh businesses you know they wouldn't see that economic loss as greatly as right. when you look at that in the PPP uh, and you look at that very small, you know, for PPP second draw, and you look at that one quarter over one quarter, yeah. it was very drastic. Yeah. So uh, this did uh, alleviate that and looked at a much larger picture for financial uh, loss or, or economic decline. Well, with all the good that SBA has mm-hmm. done over the last year and all of the benefits that those programs have provided to struggling businesses. Mm -hmm. There's always a few bad apples. Um, So, you know, one of the big criticisms of of the programs and quickly as they were rolled out by Congress has been fraud. You know, without naming names, even in a small institution like Enterprise, we've we've had instances of fraud under some of the SBA Mm -hmm. programs. And I know that's you know, that's something that, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty in these types of things, but I know that's another major focus of SBA. What are you seeing, if anything, in terms of, you know, potential abuses of the program? Well, you are right. And, you know, I think it was Winston Churchill once said that don't let a don't ever let a, a crisis uh, go to waste. And <laughs> there were a lot of very entrepreneurial people out there who found <laughs> like ways to <laughs> to manipulate uh, what the government was doing to help small businesses. And so um, we have seen a lot of identity theft. And, you know, I think Identity theft is one of those things that is happening so frequently now anyway. And with loan programs being rolled out like this, it just gave another opportunity for that. And so we are dealing with that and we are very aggressively dealing with that. Uh, You know, if you go to SBA.gov, anybody that would know anyone that has been impacted, there are instructions there. We are reporting all of that to the inspector office of the inspector general. They are investigating those, you know, we, we definitely, you know, are there to help. We are making it very easy for people that think that they might have been impacted by that, by identity theft uh, resulting in a fraudulent loan uh, to reach out to us and let us know. And, you know, we're coming alongside to assist them to make sure that we get that taken care of. So it is something, you know, um, as we learn and go, I, you know, things are changing. They're making, you know, changes on the back end that I don't even know uh, what they are to make it um, harder for that kind of things to happen. But, you know, it's 
the way of the world nowadays, right. you know. And I mean, legitimately, I mean, obviously, certain segments, and we've had this discussion mm-hmm. on prior podcast episodes, certain segments of the small business community have just been devastated. Yes, absolutely. Um, and others, though, you know, have persevered and some have actually improved. Right. Depend, absolutely. And it all that depends is, on the dynamics of, right. of the particular industry. But, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's outright fraud, still with pretty much all these programs, mm-hmm. you know, the, the applicants are certifying and attesting to the fact that to, they've, they've had, mm-hmm. you know, uh, adverse effects yes, on their business. To the federal government. government. Yeah. I mean, that is not a smart <laughs> thing to do. Right. And so um, there are, you know, we get a bulletin every morning that tells us some things that have been in the paper. And Every morning there's across the United States somebody that has gone to trial or, you know, um, with that has been caught. I mean, these are not hard things. This money was deposited into a bank account somewhere. And so it's not hard to trace people down and, and find these, you know, find the money. And for people like who who are just, you know, lied on the application and things, right. you know, yeah. there are big consequences when you're, when you're committing fraud against the U.S. government. And, you know, so, um, but if anybody feels that they've been in that situation, they could, you know, come to us and we're, we're more than happy to help. And, and, and we all understood early on when the first rounds of the stimulus come out, nobody knew what the future held. That's right. So how could you be certain you were yeah. going to be okay right. from a business mm-hmm. standpoint? But as we get further and further into this, mm-hmm. and uh, now I think, you know, small business owners need to, to kind of really reflect. Yes before they, you know, yes. particularly in a grant program. Yes. Um, because, you know, this will be looked at for right. what I think the look back period is like five years right, on, on some on of this stuff. Money, so yeah. uh, just a warning, um, mm-hmm. you know, to those yeah. who still may be contemplating, if you're adversely affected, that's what this program is Right, it's there to help you. It's there to help you. Just, yes. you, know, you know, don't abuse the But program. you do need to certify right. those things on, on the application. And so we want people to make sure that they understand the severity of that and, and the importance of it. Well, now that we've covered all the, you know, the, at least right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> the latest and greatest programs, yeah. you know, we'll see what the future brings. I, I can't let you leave without getting a little uh, sense and feedback from you on what, what you're hearing uh, from small businesses uh, in the market in terms of, you know, what, what their struggles are. I mean, you know, we've talked about it, you know, many times recently in other episodes, labor is a huge issue right now what, what are you hearing at the SBA um, so you know that's what I do all day long is I talk to people yeah. I small businesses call me they're you know some most of the time with issues that are yeah. of concern to them and um, really right now you know the the nation is recovering that the businesses are open um, and the problem for most small businesses today is ha- having enough staff um, and we're talking about the restaurant revitalization fund. That industry is being extremely hard hit by that. It's very hard for a, a restaurant or a, a business that you know temp- usually would hire entry level employees to compete with unemployment and the extra unemployment dollars that are going out. And so what's happening is a lot of people are 
choosing not to enter back into the workforce, whether it is because of the money incentive or they're afraid with COVID. Um, but the businesses now that are ready to say, hey, we're, we're open and we're ready to go, you know, we want to get that, they're now not finding the workers. And I was um, driving around over the weekend and everywhere I went, every business I went to had a sign up that said, now hiring all positions, you know, and so it is, it's a struggle. And I had uh, posted something on social media recently about that and saying that, you know, this is going to be the next pandemic for our small businesses is going to be the, the fact that they can't hire employees. And we've got to get our nation back to work. And yeah. we have to do that to save small businesses. We've done all of the incentives, all of these programs to give them the revenue they've lost. And now we've got to get them the workers they need. Yeah. And, and, and we had a discussion in, in the most recent episode um, about, you know, just the cost of, of inventory mm -hmm. and materials. And what I think the, the public doesn't really understand is this labor shortage does not just hurt the business that needs the employee right. to serve the public. It's, a, it's their supply it's chain. supply chain issue. If they That's can't correct. get employees at the supply mm -hmm. level, the mm -hmm. only option is the suppliers have to increase the prices. Right. That is exactly true. And people think it's just that front line and it's right. not. And we are being affected by this in the supply chain by the shortage of workers yeah. as well as by the pandemic itself. So in industries where things that would have been fabricated or mined or, you know, developed months ago, we are now being faced with the fact that they weren't. And now we need them. And that's why we're seeing these increased prices in construction materials and yeah. Uh, you know, the inability to buy a new car because it doesn't have a chip. And so those kinds of things are all coming into play now. And it's snowballing. It is snowballing. So um, I wish we had the answers. Uh, if we did, yes, we probably I, wouldn't be sitting we here. We wouldn't be, yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm interested. it's interesting to hear you say that. That could be the second wave pandemic that doesn't right. have to do with right. the virus. Right. But labor. Mm -hmm. labor. So uh, I very much appreciate sure you taking the time today to talk mm -hmm. to us um as always sba has been a great friend enterprise bank and i think the public has become aware in the last mm -hmm. 12 months of how important the little agency that could that's right <laughs> yes is and hopefully that'll you know sba will maintain its status mm -hmm. here going forward as is yeah. kind of a, a key resource mm -hmm. for small business we hope so we hope so thank you thank you Thank you very much for your interest in today's episode of Inside the Vault. Please be sure to follow us on all of your streaming, social media, and podcast platforms. And if you have any specific questions or topics you would like us to cover, please feel free to email us at insidethevault at enterprisebankpgh.com.